Please turn your Bible to Exodus chapter 19. We have been traveling these last couple months through what the exchange life is and how it works. And if that is a new concept or a new term for you, what historically has happened within the church today is we basically have told people that you have to try harder and if it's not working, just rededicate your life so that you can have victory in Christ. And when we read the scripture, the scripture says that we are already victorious, that we already have victory in Christ, that he's already given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, that all of our sins have been handled and are separated from us as far as the east is from the west, and yet we want to still teach you how to manage them. And so he's already handled them, and we miss out on the very life of Christ within us that comes from abiding in Christ, found in John 15. And so we never get to experience that because we're always worried about things that Jesus has already handled. And so today we journey all the way to this idea of moving from legalism to the grace life. And lots of people have different ideas of what legalism is. And that's been an interesting thing as I have been studying this. And so why do we struggle to accept freedom in Christ. Jesus said, if I've set you free, you're free indeed. And so if I'm actually free, how come I don't feel free? How come, we're afraid that we're going to sin. Instead of, we, we worry about that so much, instead of being afraid or being um, concerned that we're going to miss out on the moment of what God's doing in the moment. And so there's a lot of reasons that we struggle to accept freedom in Christ. Do I have any control freaks in here? Right? The control freaks usually don't have a problem raising their hand. Yep, that's me. Then the folks that kind of just go with the they're like, well, maybe I should raise my hand. Maybe I shouldn't raise my hand. But man, we want to be in control. Being in control, let me tell you something. Being in control, number one, is an illusion. We don't control anything. If I could control anything, then people wouldn't get sick, cancer would be gone, and my bank account would be different than it is, you know, all those things, right? I don't control any of that. It's controlled for me. So this idea that I want to have a good handle on things, um, those of us who, how many of you are tied to your schedule? Oh man, if it ain't on the schedule, it ain't going to happen today. You know, I... I <laughs> I remember once I interviewed somebody and they gave me a schedule of their day and it was like 10.02 would be this. 10.13 and I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> this is not going to work. <laughs> but, so we're so tied to schedules and if it doesn't fit, then it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And so, in, let me remind you this. We grow up in a country that independence is elevated. And independence is the enemy of submission. Independence will keep us from being submitted to Christ and experiencing His move through us. Well, I'm going to do this for God, and, it's, and my life is going to count because I'm doing this for God. Well, if God hasn't asked you to do that, then you're missing out on the best life that He has planned for you. And so we're going to begin digging into uh, this very thing today as legalism 
And we're going to define it. We're going to walk our way through it. We're going to talk about some of the objections that come from it. So as we discover, uh, moving from legalism to grace, the grace life, we're going to define it. We're going to explore our relationships because they matter. And we're going to discover what spiritual growth actually is because we have a tendency to think that improving our behavior makes us more spiritual people. Haven't we all been taught that? If you'll do this, you'll be a better person. I want you to know this. You're, you're, you have our branded creation in Christ. It's not about managing your behavior. It's about the exchange in the relationship. And experiencing, hearing his voice, hearing what he wants you to do in the moment. My behavior naturally follows when I spend time with him, doesn't it? So we're, we're focused, we're trying to get the result without the cause. And that's our whole problem as Christians. And then we wonder why it doesn't work. Because without the proper source, you're never going to have the results. That's the way it works. And so at Exodus 19.5, we're going to, we're going to, says this. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we travel through these verses today, I pray as we go through this over you, that you'll speak to our heart that you will bring us alive. Help us to discover the life source because if our life is hidden with Christ in God, if we're not seeking it there, then we're not seeking our life. We're not seeking what you called us to. And so, Father, I ask that you will speak to each and every one of us right where we are. I know you're capable. You're more than you could do it without me saying a word. But, Father, we submit ourselves to you today. We just ask that you will meet with us. We know that you're here. You've promised that. And so, Father, we rest in your hand to be taught by you, to hear you from you. And, Father, to be equipped and prepared for the things you laid out for us this week. Thank you for what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So legalism. Legalism, by definition, ties personal effort to spiritual progress and experiencing God's blessings. That's what legalism is. Well, if you do this, then you will do this. If you do this, then you do the same thing the enemy did to Eve in the garden. If you do this, you'll be more like God. We've already been through that several times. That when the enemy lied to her, when the enemy approached her to deceive her, the deception was that he had lied to her about who she was. Because when she was created, they were created in what? The image of God. Were they perfect? Yes. They were perfect and in the image of God. And he told her, you'll be more like God if you do this. And, so, and the church has been doing the same thing for decades. Same thing the enemy did in the garden. You'll be more like God if you do this. When he said we've been re we, we have been recreated. And so that lie has been perpetrated over a period of time. And we bought into it. She bought into it, ate of the tree, and turned and gave to Adam, and he ate too. And so once we understand who we are in Christ, and once we understand what he's really done, then the lies begin to reveal themselves. And so this idea of spiritual progress or experiencing God's blessings 
through behavior grows out of the law. We read uh, Exodus 19.5. He talked in there. He talked about obedience that was required for a relationship. In other words, if you, he said this: if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession. And so he was giving that to the children of Israel as they were traveling, uh, as they were traveling through, uh, headed for the promised land. Deuteronomy 28.1 says this, Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And so blessings, this is what's taught, blessings are found through obedience. Now, there's element. The best lies have elements of truth in them, don't they? Yeah, mom and dad, the ball fell and hit the lamp. Well, it fell out of your hand while you hurled it at your sister and hit the lamp. The best lies have elements of truth. And so, we're to, now listen, if you're living in obedience to God because of the joy in your heart, because of the relationship you share with Christ, when you do that, He's going to lead you into all those things naturally. It's not something you go, man, I've got to do this so I can be a better Christian. When He saved you, you were where you needed to be. There's not this ladder. We do learn wisdom and we do learn things over time. And there is progress in the journey of the Christian life. But the progress is not more knowledge, because what does knowledge do? Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. It's not being smarter. It's being more rested and more trusting, more listening in Christ. Well, he never speaks to me. You ever said that? Don't raise your hands. I've said that sitting where you are, when somebody was standing where I am, saying what I'm saying to you, and I sat where you're sitting, and I said the same thing. Well, that's nice. Some of you speak to me like you speak to all these other people. They don't ever speak to me. I will challenge you, and I don't know if I, I challenged you guys about two, three weeks ago to this. Say, Lord, if you speak to me, I will do whatever you tell me, even if it's uncomfortable. And if you're willing to do that, and you're willing to obey him, he will speak to you. If you don't obey, if you don't listen, if you don't want to participate in what God wants to do, then why should he waste his breath? Why well, wouldn't That was Mark's problem. Mark didn't want to do what God wanted to do. But then God gently brought Mark to the place where Mark wanted to do that. And if you can avoid that connection, that journey to that, it's much better, I promise. And so we see that they're taught that blessings are found in obedience. But it doesn't come out of us. It doesn't come out of us trying to do it. It comes out of him. We see in uh, Deuteronomy 28, 15. But it shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe all of his commandments and his statutes with which I charge you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. We've heard this stuff, right? Well, if you obey him, you get blessings. If you disobey, it's cursed. That's what's in the law, folks. That's found in the law. And it's there. That's what's found 
when you go back. And legalism, when you meet legalistic Christians, on a consistent basis, they struggle with sin. Well, I've got this sin, I'm just really struggling with it. Just, you know, their whole life is trying to discover how to overcome a certain sin. Now, don't raise your hands. How many of us would say, yeah, there is a sin in my life I wish that I could overcome? Right? What if I told you that you've already overcome that? Would that be good news if that was true? That would be great news if that was true. I've got news for you. That is true. <laughs> but it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way because, and, and I deal with the same thing, because there's lies that I've held on to. We hold on to certain things. We believe that we're not true. We believe that it's not true. Jesus, we think, has forgiven our sins, but we don't realize that we're actually set free from them. And so legalism will struggle our whole life because it's all about trying not to sin. Do you think that that's what God has called us to as Christians? To just try and not sin? And you're, I see your wheels turning, you're going, well, we shouldn't sin, but I don't think that's all we're called to, that kind of, with the conversation you're having with yourself. Let me tell you something. When you're walking and you're in conversation with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, and He's talking to you, and He's explaining Scripture to you, think about, oh, let's go back, let's take a, let's take a Bible passage. The road to Emmaus. The guys are walking along, and Jesus walks up, and he begins to explain to them himself from all the Old Testament. Wouldn't that have been a cool? I would have loved to have listened to that. It's not recorded. But he begins to explain to them. Do you think they were worried about not sinning when that was going on? Why? Because they were engaging the one who wrote it. They were engaging the one that just died for them. They were engaging that one. If we live our whole life worried about sin, we're not engaging Jesus Christ. And when we engage Jesus Christ, we don't have time to worry about that because it has no appeal. Because we are in love with Him. That's why we're missing the boat. It is a true statement we shouldn't sin, but how we avoid that is not by trying harder. It doesn't work. That's why you have to have a rededication. If it worked, you would never have to be rededicated. Just like you don't ever have to be restated. It worked the one time, and it's for all time. And so they struggle with sin. They deal with self-condemnation or guilt. Man, I just, I, when they give in to the sin, they go, oh man, I can't believe I did it. Oh, I'm such a terrible Oh, how could God even love me? Do you know the difference between condemnation and conviction? Condemnation tells you how terrible you are. Conviction shows you what you missed out on because you participated in it. He draws you to himself. 
That's what conviction. Isn't doesn't uh, repentance mean to do a 180? We all know that. All right. So how does repentance happen? Conviction. So if conviction is leading us to do a 180. Where is it leading us to? Him. It doesn't lead us to go. Ah, oh, my sin is terrible. It says, oh, I was wrong. Oh man, I missed out. I missed out. And I'm looking. I'm focused on Christ, not on what I did wrong. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to focus on what you did wrong. And how bad you are. That's legalism, folks. You know what? Anybody here ever sinned before? Beside me? Most of you. Okay. <laughs> you know what Jesus Christ says when you sin? He says, hey, Dwayne, I got that. Is that true? He said, I've already covered that. Remember the cross, Wayne? I already took care of that. But let me show you how to experience the power of God in that moment so you don't do that. Not so you can avoid it, so you don't miss out on that. Legalism. <laughs> the grace life experiences spiritual progress in God's blessing simply because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we're in love and we're mad in love with Him. Listen, <laughs> we need to rest in Him and listen to Him. That's the key. And so, legal. Let me, let me tell you what we do, though. I didn't know where this was going to go, but this works. We have legalism, and then we have grace, right? We talk about the law and grace. But then, you ever met somebody that just got saved? They're like, man, I'm reading all this stuff, and God is showing me these things, and I tried to witness to my brother, and I was telling this guy in the street about Christ, and after doing that, we're like, ooh, those people are crazy. <laughs> right? Isn't that what we say? Those of us have been saved for a while. That's the outflow of the Spirit of God within them. And so we come along and we go, well, we need to direct them. And so we go, now that you've been saved, you need to go read the Gospel of John. And you need to pray in the morning. And you need to do this. And you need to do that. And start laying all this stuff on them. And you need to be at church. And you need to, you know, fill in the blank here. And so the first time that they miss that or they make a mistake or they don't do it, what do they feel? They saw that joy of Christ. You know why you want the Bible verse? I'll give it to you. The law brings death, but grace brings life and peace. When you're at work, do you want the law to fall on you, fall on you when you mess up or do you want grace? And when people give you grace, you're going to almost give them 110 or 120%, aren't you? When they give you grace instead. It's the same way with yourself. And yet we think that that helps. It doesn't help. You know where the Holy Spirit of God led me when I got saved? He didn't lead me into the Gospel of John. He led me into Philippians. That's what he wanted me. You need to be led. Isn't that the whole point of being led by the Spirit of God? We're to walk in the Spirit as we receive Him, so we walk in Him. We want to know how to walk, and He tells us how to walk, but we want specifics. We want lines. We want rules. We're comfortable with that because we can control 
And instead of giving up control and letting him control and experiencing the beauty of the moment of what he has in store for us. And so relationships matter. We move from legalism to relationship. We move from awful <laughs> to stay with me. Please don't check out. We have to understand the relationships that we have and the ones we don't have. I'm not going to leave you here, so just stay with me. Romans 7, verses 1 through 6, says this. Or do you not know? In other words, they were doing stuff that didn't match. Or do you not know, brethren? I'm speaking to those who know the law. That the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. For the married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he's living, but if her husband dies, she's released from the law concerning the husband. So then if while her husband is living, she's joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Therefore, my brethren, you were also made to die to the law, through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, were at work in our members of our body, to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of spirit and not in oldness of the letter. And so we see here that the law is ditched over you until you're dead. And when we, you know, when we take our marriage vows, we, uh, it's until death do us part. That's what the vow we make. And so if I were to die, Terry's free to marry again. She's kept her vow. If she were to die, the same for me. The vows are until death. I'm released from that vow at death. And so when we die with Christ, it says, uh, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. When I die with Christ, I am, no, I am set free from that, from the law of sin and death. Not just from the law, but the law of sin and death. I'm not controlled by that anymore. That's not over me anymore. And so, what we learn <laughs> is two things here. The law, it arouses sinful passions in us. You know, it's like, think about it like this. If you come home, and you, you went to the grocery store, and you just were dying for an apple. And you search, you know that big thing with the big red delicious apples? Some of you may not like those. Insert your apple favorite here. So you're going through there and you pick the perfect one. And you buy that for you. And you go home and you put it on the table. Your kids may not even notice that it's there. But if you tell them, don't touch the apple. I'm not touching it. Right? No interest until we're told not to do it. That's how the law works in arising sinful passions. 
That's why if we study it and we focus on it, all we get is more sin. That's why it doesn't work when you just go out and say, you ever been told this? Well, if you're struggling with an area of your life, let's say you struggle with lust. So I'm going to memorize all the verses on lust. And then what happens? I'm supposed to be free because I've studied what God said on it. But what am I thinking about? Lust. Right? Doesn't the Bible say that the mind that stayed on Christ shall be in perfect peace? We got it wrong, folks. Keep your mind on Christ. Not on lust. <laughs> on Him. And so, living by religious rules does not produce victory. It produces increased sinful passions. That's why you're struggling. We should struggle with the enemy, not with the instructions of God, right? Listen, we died to the law through the body of Christ so we could be united to Him and serve in the newness of Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads you into what God is doing. So then what do we do with the law? Jesus said Himself. He didn't come to do away with it. He came to fulfill it. Is the law bad? No. The law is not bad. I'm glad you asked. Galatians 3.21 says this, is the law contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would have indeed been based on law. The law is not bad, but it doesn't impart life. It was never meant to. It was meant to reveal our need. It was meant to, at the same time, reveal the holiness of God and how we fall short. And so, continuing to pursue that does not lead to where you want to go or where He wants you to go. Romans 7, 8 says this, but sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Now, this came up at our men's breakfast the other day, age of accountability. What is the age of accountability? I sat in seminary next to somebody who says, it's seven years old. And I, and those of you who know me, <laughs> I sat there and I went, What? <laughs> And I said, where's that in the Bible? It's not in the Bible, but that's what it is. I'm like, if it ain't in the Bible, then ain't what it is. Because it's Genesis to Revelation, period, right? Amen? Yeah. It's God's Word without anything added, without anything subtracted. You can't put what you want, take out what you don't want. It's all of it or nothing. But the Bible does say, and this is the one of the verses that I didn't share yesterday. Or maybe I did share it. Sin is, in, sin is only sin to those who know right and do it not. So when we become aware of what sin is and we choose not to do it, then that becomes sin for us. And until then, we're protected. You follow me? Now, that's not an age. Because 
There's people that born in different states and different conditions when they're born mentally. And that does affect that understanding. And so, <laughs> keeping rules, even here, does not produce victory. The good news is, we no longer have a relationship with the law. We are free. We are free. We do not sacrifice the blood of bulls and goats. We don't go, I mean, it's so funny. Everybody just says, yeah, we still got to keep it. I'm going I'm to ask them where their altar is and who's their high priest. If you're going to keep it, you've got to keep it all. Not just what you're comfortable with, what you think you can do. Because it's by works, it's all of it. So where do we get spiritual growth from? Romans 9, 30-32 says this, What shall we say then, that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained it, or attained righteousness? Even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel pursuing a law of righteousness did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as though it were by works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. See, they were trying to achieve it through what they did. They are trying to achieve spiritual growth or righteousness or holiness. You can be a better Christian by what you do. If I already have everything pertaining to life and godliness, there's nothing for me to go get. I have it. Either that or Jesus lied. I don't think Jesus lied. <laughs> I think I have it. So how does that come alive? Abiding in Christ. 15. We will get to abiding in Christ, I promise. But we have to deal with this stuff. Because we tried our whole lives... We said, you know, January 1, I'm going to start having my Bible study in the mornings. Have you ever been told that you need to have your Bible study in the morning? How many of you wake up in the morning when the alarm goes off and you're like, What a beautiful day. Anybody do that? <laughs> I have one guy. <laughs> I don't do that. I'm going to like, oh Lord, it's morning. <laughs> My mind is more awake at night. And so that's a better time for me to study. It's a better time for me to listen. Now, it doesn't mean I go my whole day without, I need to, we need to be, we need to have prayer without ceasing. That means we're listening all the time. I mean, if we're going to walk with him, we're walking all the time. Even when we're tired, anybody here get grumpy or hangry? This is about the time of day when you start getting your like, I just need some food. You ever notice that? How they get kind of you get kind of snippy when you're hungry, and your blood sugar starts to drop. And everybody tired. I'm gonna tell you, everybody tired is a little bit grumpy. It's just part of the journey. But none of those are an excuse not to listen and do what God wants us to do. And so, here's the thing. Here's, this is the fun stuff, so listen. This is really good. According to these verses, we don't pursue righteousness. We pursue Him because we are righteous. You don't follow that? I have already, He says I've already made you righteous. He says it. 
So because that's who I am, I get to pursue him. Because if I'm not righteous, I can't pursue him. Because I can't draw close because he can't have that relationship. He doesn't draw near to sin. That's, and I do it by faith. And you, you ever, anybody know the verse where it says, it's impossible to please him except with, uh, you know, it's impossible to please God without faith? I want you to think for just a moment what faith is. According to Hebrews, having not seen, we believe, right? And so, the times that we please Him is the times that we're trusting Him when we don't see all the information. That's when we're pleasing. Well, here's the truth. Because we have a limited mind, we don't have an infinite mind. He does. We always are limited on the truth, on, on all the information. We don't have all the information. And so when we trust that what he says, that he'll deliver on it and we walk in it, we may not know all the answers. We don't know how it's going to work out. We don't know how the conversation is going to go. You ever been prompted to call or communicate with somebody that you had, don't raise your hand, that you had a falling out with or that you know you had done something wrong with? I have been. I know, you, and those of you who have done that to you just got uncomfortable. Welcome to the crowd. We're all in it, okay? So, you're not alone. We're going to talk about the stuff here that doesn't get talked about. Because that's real. That's where the rubber hits the road, folks. And we say, are we going to listen to the Holy You know what? There might be a reason that the Holy Spirit's telling you that. Maybe He's been working on them, too. We think that we're the only ones that God ever works with. Isn't that ridiculous? Well, they're not going to listen. They're not. They're just going to be ugly if I call them. Wait a minute. Maybe he's been prompting them to call you too. They ain't doing it either. Maybe he showed them what that what they did was wrong. Maybe what they did wasn't wrong. Maybe what it, what was done is what you did was wrong. I've been that guy. I've done the wrong thing. So anybody here ever done the wrong thing? Anybody here ever said the wrong thing? You were done on the way to church? <laughs> I am. You ever done that at church? It happens. Let's just call the truth the truth. Let's quit playing games. Listen, life is ticking by. We don't have time to mess around. So spiritual good, we pursue Him because we are righteous. Spiritual growth come, only comes by walking in faith. See, Israel missed it. They were doing it by works. And we ain't learned nothing from them. It's faith. Lord, I'm going to trust you today. You want me to do what? Not them. Or not this. You know, when I left the house this morning, I'll tell you, it took some faith to get here. I pulled out of my driveway and I had bicycles in front of me in the room. You ever done anybody here ever deal with a bicycle in the room? And, uh, you know, I'm already tight on time. And so I went around and I crossed over 973, took the next road. I'm on a totally different side of things. And there's a group of bicycles in front of me again. And I'm like, are you serious? And so I finally get around them and I get down to Seal Road and there's a backhoe driving down. And I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? And uh, so, do you think God was trying to get my attention <laughs> this morning? 
figure out why later. So on the way here, I wasn't in the best. I was, I was frustrated, and it happens. That's life, folks. But that's life, that's life when our eyes are focused on the troubles instead of on the world. So that's reality. And so spiritual growth only comes by walking in faith. Israel is it. Now let me, let me give you the most common objection to this truth. Well, didn't Jesus say, if I'm going to love him, I must keep his commandments? Remember that verse? I'm going to read it for you. John 14, 15. We're going to deal with this stuff. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So then the sermon goes something like this. You know, if you're going to love God, you better keep his commandments. You better do what he says, or you don't love God. You ever heard that sermon? We reverse it. Keep my commandments so you'll love me. That's not what it says. So then what does it mean? I see you asking the question. At least Perry's asking the question. We're going to stop. This is cut in half this verse. If you love me, you're going to naturally keep my commandments. Because I love Terry, I'm cheat on him. Because I love Terry, I bring a paycheck home to her. Because of love, those things fall out. They fall out of love. Not to become love. Does that make sense? Because I'm in love with Jesus, I don't want to do anything to mess it up. I don't want to engage in the things of the world because I'm in love with Him because that's where my heart is. And see, that is that is something the Holy, the Holy Spirit can only give you. And you have to be receptive. Are you in love with Jesus Christ? Listen, if you've gotten over the cross, shame on you. We have no idea what He went through. We can describe it physically. We can describe it emotionally. We can even describe it from God's word. But I can't imagine being perfect, being and uncreated, eternal, and made to become sin. He was turned into sin and punished on my behalf. All the junk that I do, he became that and God punished him because of it. How can we fathom that? And did he do it so that the Father would accept him? Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because he loves us. <laughs> right? It's right in front of our face and we can't even see it. He did that because he loves us. We serve because we love him. And part of our, the reason we don't serve because you don't love him. Let's just cut to the chase. The times I struggle to serve, I'm not loving Christ. I'll tell you what. I wish I could just wipe out everything we know and let's just learn how to love him. And watch how that changes our lives. And just get rid of all this baggage.
Obedience for the Christian who loves the Lord is a joy. And I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God. That's what we're talking about. That we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. There it is. Isn't that cool? In other words, doing what He says is not burdensome. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there's people who would never describe it that way. And it's so sad. They're missing out on what God's Word says. So spiritual growth is not found in keeping religious rules. It comes only through faith. It comes through the relationship, folks. And so how does this change our Christian experience? I'll give you a few things here. We must stop measuring our Christian journey by do's and don'ts and start enjoying the new life He gave us as we interact with Him. Well, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Stop worrying about that. I guarantee you, if you're enjoying Him in the times that you would have done those things, it's going to change your life. It'll change your life. You're going to understand Scripture. He's going to begin to speak to you about His Word. You say He doesn't speak to me about it. Ask Him. He said, if you lack wisdom, come to Him and ask who He gives to men, all men liberally. We'll see the spiritual work He's doing around us. Did you know that there are people who need the Lord around you every day? Did you guys know that? Some of you even know their name. <laughs> you just thought of them. There's people who need to see somebody who's in love with Christ. Well, I don't want to be one of those Jesus freaks. I'd rather be a Jesus freak than a Jesus icicle. Why would we pursue anything other? So stop measuring your Christian journey by these and don'ts and start enjoying the life by interacting with Him. Two, avoid grace law. All the things that we must do now that we're saved. Listen, you know what I get to do? I get to participate with him. That's why he asks. That's why he leads. It's, an, it's a privilege and an opportunity to be there and be a part of what God's doing. And so avoid the grace law. Actively live in communication with the Holy Spirit and trust him by faith. Act as he leads you. Act as he leads, and you will find that those must-dos and don'ts are not full of the Holy Spirit within. Because all this stuff that we know, like, you know, i got to go read my Bible. When, he, when I'm in love with him and communicating with him, verses are going to come to mind, I'm going to find myself opening, I'm trying to find it. Guess what, I'm here, I'm studying my Bible out of joy. That's how it works. We want to try to get the result without the relationship. It doesn't work. It absolutely does not work. Three, begin exploring your relationship with Christ. Question. Ask him, why did you save me? What is, what is my purpose? Is there anything I'm trusting instead of you? You know what? How many of you have ever prayed nest when you're studying your Bible? Raise your hand. Could you help me understand your word? I'm going to challenge you for this one. When you pray, and you open this book, ask him, help me to know you. 
How many know you? Parents, do kids generally want stuff from you? <laughs> right? Mom, Dad, can I have? Mom, Dad, can, this, can I get this? Can I give you permission or things that they want? And then you kind of measure that out. But what if your child just crawled up in your lap and said, you know, Mom, Dad, I just love you. And you're like, man, what can I do for you? <laughs> Are we right? <laughs> it's a separate message. <laughs> but that's the joy of loving him. And how your heart just responded, his heart also responds. We're made in his image, folks. And so listen, you know, we did a little experiment earlier. Don, some of you, if this is your first time here, we usually do not fly airplanes in the sanctuary. Um, at least the adults don't. <laughs> but one of the things I was thinking about, it, uh, we were assigned to make a paper airplane that would fly the farthest. And so we all, everybody set off on their journey to do that. And James was sitting next to me, he goes, I know how to make you a paper airplanes. I was like, oh, you're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, he goes, one's for distance and one's for tricks. And I got thinking about that when James said that. We have one purpose, and that's what we're made for. And when we embrace that purpose and what we're made for, if I'm made for distance, I'm not made for tricks. And if I'm made for tricks, I'm not going to go distance. And we always want what is not what we're made for. Why don't we find out why we were made? And what the point was about why we were made. Why God has you here. You know, there was a, a man who lived in a small town. And he was facing a serious medical situation that required surgery. There was two licensed surgeons in town. One guy, it was known, had kind of barely passed the medical exam. He made marginal grades in school. He wasn't that really good with people. The other guy, everybody that went to him, he was... Obviously, well, they didn't know much about his education, but when he would explain their circumstances, he would explain what was going on. He had a, he had a high success rate in people being changed and helped through surgery. And you could tell he had a real passion for it. Which surgeon would you pick? Would you pick the guy who's just doing it because he had to? Or you pick the guy who is in love with medicine. Don't you think the world sees us the same way? They said they're doing it because they have to, but that guy loves Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we're giving away? We're not giving away a list of what we ought to do. We're giving away a relationship. And so there's a difference between someone serving out of duty and someone serving out of delight. It's absolutely different. We know it. They know it. Let's choose to Amen? Amen. I want to show everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.